happening with us. Um, we serve in Japan, uh, island nation off of the eastern edge of Asia. Uh, 125 million people, but only 0.5% Christian. We've, uh, sorry, worked in that little red box that you see on the map there since 1951, uh, the North American Baptist Conference has, and in 1978, turned the work over to them. So again, please hear me in saying, we don't direct the ministry there anymore. We've come alongside them. We direct our little area of ministry, but we come alongside the Japan Baptist Conference. Uh, these are your North American Baptist missionaries in Japan. Uh, my wife and I, Shan Reed and Yudi Nakano. Um, and uh, we've seen some attrition, but uh, just just uh, two days ago, I was in an interview, interviewing a potential new missionary to come as a defined term missionary to teach English uh, for a two-year term. So hopefully that'll, uh, that'll pan out, uh, and we'll have a fifth member of our team uh, starting sometime next year. Uh, these are the, some of the Japanese pastors and their wives that we work with. Uh, there are 12 Japanese, 12 uh, churches in the Japan Baptist Conference, uh, so it's small, and yet uh, God has continued to use those churches in a mighty way. Uh, since 2008, we have been planting the Komyo Christian Church, uh, and God just continues to, to bless this work mightily. We've seen many people come to baptism. Uh, we've seen many others come into our church through different means. Uh, but God has knit together a community of believers there, uh, right? The, the ecclesia, as they say in Greek, those who are called out, called out of the Japanese culture to be Come to come together and be God's body uh, right there in, in Osaka. We as a church uh, kind of hold two focuses. Uh, we want to be a bright shining light, uh, as Pastor Josh read uh, before in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, the name of our church, Komyo Christian Church, it means a brightly shining light, Christian church. Uh, but we know in order to do that, first you have to be formed into the image of Christ. And so the first task is, is as Ephesians 4 tells us, to come to the fullness, the full measure of Jesus Christ. And then to realize that we are sent ones for Him. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But as a church, that means that we have outreach events, uh, we go out into our community and we do various things, uh, and we invite people into our church uh, so that they too uh, might have that relationship with Jesus Christ. As I said in, in, uh, uh, in Sunday school, one of the biggest things, and it still blows me away, is black gospel music. Uh, that concerts, uh, classes focused around gospel music are things that uh, really allow us to connect with a lot of Japanese people uh, who you'd never in a million years figure uh, would be uh, <laughs> hooked on gospel music. And so uh, we'll share a, f a couple uh, uh, examples of that uh, in a little bit. Uh, one of the benefits or one of the great things that's happened is that in 2019, uh, the church graduated, I put it, from being a church plant to a full-fledged church. So it's a self-supporting, self-governing, self-propagating, self-theologizing church. Uh, and so where there was no church before, there is a church now. And in 2020, <clears throat> excuse me, 2020, uh, we called a national pastor. Uh, I went from being lead pastor to associate pastor. And then in 2020, well, this year, 2022, in April, I came off staff altogether. And so that work now is run completely by national. 
nationals uh, and is taken over by uh, the, the church leadership. So um, taken over sounds kind of bad. Is, operate, is run by, is led by uh, national leadership. And so this is, this is like a win-win for missionaries. This is like what you're like, yes, this is what I'm here working for. Um, and so we're just so thankful uh, that God has seen the Komio Christian Church to this point. Um, it's a small church, uh, 23 to 25 people, uh, sometimes 30 on a Sunday, but an average church in Japan is 25 people. So it's an average Japanese church. Um, and as Pastor Josh prayed already, uh, our prayer too is that God will continue to use this church mightily uh, moving forward into the future uh, for his kingdom there in Japan. Obviously, uh, we went through COVID, just like you went through COVID here. Um, and in our area, which is a very, very densely populated area, it had a little, maybe a little more uh, impact on our daily life. Uh, but God has seen us through that and seen the church through that. Uh, and now uh, they're getting back to more of a, a normalcy and a, a regular look to the way church is operating. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go with prayer requests. So if you would pray for us, this is the interesting thing about prayer. Uh, right here in Plevna, Montana, uh, when you stop and you pray, you have a direct impact on what happens in Japan. And it might not seem like that at first to you, but one of the biggest things in the first prayer request is that God would continue to draw people to himself in Japan. That's something that God does. It's God's work. But the awesome thing is that God listens to you. When you pray and you ask him to work on the hearts of people in Japan, God is faithful and he works on the hearts of people in Japan. And in that way, your prayers right here in Plevna have a direct impact on what happens in Japan. And you're going to hear some stories later about people who came to the church in ways that are just miraculous, and it's all because God worked on their heart and drew them to Him, and drew them to a certain situation and a place to connect with people. And that starts with prayer. So please, please, please pray that God would continue to work on people's hearts in Japan. And as we are here on home assignment this year and look forward to heading back to Japan, next fall, next October, uh, please pray for us that we would have wisdom and guidance as we start the next church plant, as we build a team together, that God would provide a Japanese pastor for us so that we can start from the very beginning with a Japanese national and not have to work at uh, spending time turning things over, but instead uh, from the very beginning having them a part of the church. Uh, and lastly, pray for the missionaries, those four people that I showed you. My wife and I, as we're here, but uh, Yudi and Shan is there in Japan and have extra duties, extra responsibilities because we are on home assignment. Uh, so please pray for these things. A and again, thank you. If nothing else, if now's the time that your brain clicks off and you go to sleep, that's fine. Just remember, hear me say thank you. Uh, when I thought about what I wanted to share with you today, uh, Mark chapter 5 verses 1 through 20 came to mind. I want to read that for you. So if you have a Bible, open it up. If you don't have one, I think I saw some in the pews. Uh, or if maybe it's on your device. Turn your device on and, and turn to, to Mark chapter, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And I'll, I'll read that for us now. And I'll be reading it out of the NIV. If you want to just follow along on the screen too, I suppose that's possible. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. 
When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding in, on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us into the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man, <clears throat> excuse me, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. God bless the reading of his word. Let's, let's pray. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we are thankful. Father God, that uh, you love us and that you have uh, even recorded for us this passage in the book of Mark. Uh, we're thankful that these events that we're reading about actually took place 2,000 years ago. And yet, uh, even though they're historical, they have impact on our life today. They have a meaning for our life today. And so we ask, Lord, now that you would open our hearts and our minds and that you would allow us to see the truth that you have for us today, that we might learn from it and that we might live our lives according to it. So be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I really like this passage um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, uh, it's, it's showing Jesus as like one of the first missionaries. Right of Christendom, if you want to put it that way. Here, here Jesus is in. I got to look. Yeah, that's a pretty small picture. Sorry, Jesus is in this uh, area right here. It's called Galilee, and you might have heard of that. And it's throughout the New Testament, and this area is a region of of Israel. It's, it's Hebrew, Hebrew in ethnicity, Hebrew in culture, Hebrew in politics. It's Hebrew. And yet Jesus and his disciples, they go across the Sea of Galilee to this area over here called the Decapolis. It's Greek for the ten cities, Deca and Polis, ten cities. 
And it was 10 major cities and the area around them that were settled by Greeks with the time of, of Alexander the Great. And so this area is not Hebrew at all. <laughs> this area, though very close to Israel, is Greek. It's Greek in ethnicity. It's Greek in politics. It's Greek in religion. And Jesus and his disciples cross over the lake to meet these other culture, these other people, people that are different than they are. As I tried to envision like what that might mean for Plevna, I had no clue. <laughs> Right? You know, is it, is it do, do you here in Plevna feel like uh, people in the city are different than you? I have no idea. Is it, you know, most of you are ranchers? Is it the farmers? I have no idea. Is it, uh, you know, migrant workers? I have no idea. But there are people around you that have a different culture, that have a different way of doing things. It was just the same for Jesus. He crossed over from Israel, this Hebrew place, to this Greek place, so that he might, as Mark tells us, proclaim the gospel and bring healing. Tell them that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Just the same as we go to Japan to do that, to a culture that is different. And when he gets there, he's not met by the local welcoming committee, right? They don't bring over a nice jello or a nice casserole or something, you know, a nice uh, pot roast. Who's the first person that he meets? He meets this man, this demon-possessed man. Uh, this man is broken. His life is completely broken. His relationship with God doesn't exist anymore. He has so many demons inside of him that he calls himself legion. And that's referring to a, a, a Roman unit of, uh, in the army of 6,000 people. That's the way he felt. I have so many people, so many demons in me. Just call me legion. His relationship with God was broken. His relationship with himself was broken. Luke tells us in this companion passage to Mark that this man hadn't worn clothes in a long time. So he's roaming about naked, screaming, crying out in a loud voice, and he's cutting himself. Right today, we would think those are all not really good signs, right? <laughs> if someone was doing that, you'd probably call somebody or maybe try and get this person some help. And that's what they did for this guy. His relationship was broken with himself and with others. He couldn't relate to others. And they tried to subdue him. They tried to control him. They even bound him with chains. But he was so strong that he would break the chains off of his hands and his feet. He was uncontrollable. But he was absolutely broken his whole life. And he comes to Jesus, he sees Jesus from afar, and he runs up to him, and he falls on his knees, and he says, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Don't throw us into the abyss, as Luke would say. Don't cast us out of this area. The abyss, we, we know from uh, uh, some other passages in the New Testament, is a place where there are some, some demons already held 
in captivity for the end of times. And these demons are saying, don't send us there. Allow us, there were some pigs over there. Allow us to go into those pigs. And Jesus grants it. He lets those demons go into the pigs so that this man could be restored. So that these broken relationships in this man's life could be restored. And he does it in a really generous way. I'm not uh, a pig farmer, <laughs> never have been, but I did some research and found out that 2,000 pigs on today's market is about half a million dollars. That's not a small amount of money. Can you imagine the reaction <laughs> of somebody who just lost a half a million dollars in pigs because demons went into them and they went running down the hill into the Sea of Galilee and even though they're good swimmers, those pigs drowned. Jesus was very generous in restoring this man. He allowed this man to see that the demons left him, that those demons were into the lake, which is interesting because the people around the Sea of Galilee would call it the abyss because if something sunk in the Sea of Galilee, it was gone forever. It was pretty deep. And here these demons ended up going into the metaphorical abyss anyways. This man was able to see that, that Jesus had taken those demons and disposed of them. They're gone. His life had changed. He had become a new creation. Just like Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18 and 19. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This man had gone from being an old creation to being a new creation. His life was changed completely. In, in this passage of 2 Corinthians, when we read this word reconciliation, I think it's hard for us today to wrap our brains around what does this mean, reconciliation. We think of two people who are fighting that maybe make amends, reconciliation. But that word in the Greek is deeper than that. When I looked up in the uh, uh, Greek studies, it says that that word katalage has a few different meanings. And the first meaning that it has is to exchange. So like, uh, you know, uh, I'll watch your cows and you give me some hay or something. To make an exchange. That is what katalage, that word is. Exchange a new life for an old one. Second is a, a multi-parted, and it says an adjustment of a difference. So like when you're taking care of your books and you see there's something wrong and you reconcile it, you correct that. That's what that katalage means, or what we call reconciliation. Or the third part is restoration to favor. And it had a footnote, and it says, In the New Testament, of the restoration of the favor of God to sinners that repent and put their trust in the expiatory death, that's the atoning death of Christ. Restoration to favor. 
If you think of this passage, we're a new creation that God was restoring the world to himself, to Christ. And that he has committed to us the message of restoration. That's a different way of looking at that passage. And it's, it's found, you, you can see it in this gentleman legion's life. He was broken. His relationship with God was no longer existent. His relation to himself was broken. His relationship to his friends and those around him were broken. Loving God and loving others like himself was not possible for him. And yet Jesus restored him to God's favor. He knew that he was a child of God, that he could have a relationship with God. And when people came to see what all the hullabaloo was about, what happened with all these pigs, what did they find? They find this man sitting with Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, having relationship with others. In his right mind. Miraculous. He was restored. That's what Jesus did for this man. And that's what God calls all of us to. He calls all of us to restoration, to be reconciled to him, to be restored to his favor. And any of us who are in Christ have been restored. That includes my wife and I. My, my wife... She grew up in a family. Uh, her parents were divorced when she was not even a year old. So she grew up, this was in the 70s, it was not cool at all to be a child of divorce in the 70s. She was picked on for it and ridiculed for it. She felt loneliness. She, she had problems with identity and self-worth because of this. And yet your sister church, Bethel Baptist Church in Getzville, New York, came alongside Melissa and her family. And they helped them to see who Christ is, who God is, and how they could be restored. And through that, my wife came to understand that she's a child of God, that God wants to have a relationship with her, that God had created her to have a relationship with him. I, I was born the son of a pastor, so uh, I came to know Christ at a very young age. But when I was in high school, as, as a pastor's kid, I got to see what happened in the church behind closed doors. And let me tell you, sometimes that can be not very pretty. It's amazing what we can do to each other, even as Christians. And I saw in the church that I was in things that just made me stop and go, if this is what being a Christian is all about, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I was immature. I didn't know how to handle those things that I was seeing happening in our congregation. And I said, I'm enough, I'm out. I don't want to be any part of this. And, and I thought I could handle my walk with faith, my walk with God uh, it, on my own if, if I left the church. And so I left the church. And yet, the end of high school and into college, my life just got darker and darker. I can relate to this guy. I mean, I, I didn't have any, I don't feel like I was demon-possessed or anything, but my relationship started to get broken. My relationship with others started to get broken. 
And then my relationship with myself, who I was, my own identity started to get broken. And my relationship with God was broken. My life was really dark. And then I met my wife. My dad had taken a church out in Buffalo and my wife was a member of that church and through a VBS that my mom asked me to be the games director for, I met Melissa and I heard her story and I realized what I had thrown away. That I'd thrown out the baby with the bath water. That I, I had been immature in my understanding. And it was through my wife that I too then was reconnected with Christ and found restoration restored to favor with God. There's a lady in our church in Japan, this, this lady standing next to Shan. Uh, her, her name is uh, Mrs. Shukunami. If you want to think of her as Mrs. S, that's fine, Mrs. Shukunami. Uh, she, in 2015, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And uh, her husband, uh, loving her very much, bought her all kinds of different uh, books and things to, to cheer her up and to hopefully make her feel better as she was going through this struggle with cancer. And uh, as she was looking through one of these books, she saw this beautifully painted uh, picture of some flowers, and at the bottom it said, out of Matthew 11, all those who are weary, come unto me and you will find rest. And she thought, what is this rest? I'm so tired. I'm so tired in battling this disease. My life is so tired. How can I get this rest? How can I find rest? But she didn't even know where this book came from. And as she started to look at the book, she saw that it was, oh, a Christian guy. But Christian? What is Christian? Who? Where do I even talk to somebody about Christianity? And then she remembered. She had taken a pottery class at a pottery school right across the hall from our church. And she had seen people in our church talking with each other and laughing and, and having a good time. And she thought, well, maybe that would be a place that I could go and learn about this rest. And so she sent her husband <laughs> to find out, <laughs> is it okay for a non-Christian to go to a church? So I'm in the church one day doing some study and the door opens and in walks Mr. Shukunami. He took like literally two steps into the church and stopped. And I walked over and I said, how you doing? It's nice to meet you. I'm Paul. And uh, can I help you with something? And he, he just says, is it okay for non-Christians to come into the church? And I'm like, absolutely. Come on in. He goes, okay, somebody will be back. And he just turned and left. And literally, less than 15 minutes later, Mrs. Shukunami walks through the doors of the church. Right? God used that book. God used an experience that she had seen our church. God's Holy Spirit was working on her heart and drew her to church. It wasn't like we went and knocked down her door or anything. She came to church. And she asked, what is this rest all about? And it was my privilege to sit with her and share with her out of scriptures that God loves her. That even though bad things happen in our life, God wants what's best for us. That God wants to walk with us and help us through those times. And he wants us to feel his love and to share his love. And she came to a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
she was restored to favor with God. In 2019, Mrs. Shukunami passed away. And it was my privilege to do her funeral. What was really cool was all of her family gathered and none of them knew anything about the church. None of them knew anything about God, Creator God, Yahweh, the God who loves us. And part of the process in Japan, when someone dies, they're cremated. And then it sounds kind of barbaric to us, but the family, while they're being cremated, is at the crematorium. They share a meal together. And then after the meal, they go and they pick the bones out from the ash that's left. And that's what gets put into the grave. They don't have a lot of space. So in one grave that's smaller than this pulpit, you'll have multi-generations of people's bones buried there. And they, Mr. Shukunami, her husband, invited me to be a part of their family and to be there for that meal. And there were so many questions, such great discussion about who God is and how God loves us and how God wants us to be restored to favor with him all because Mrs. Shukunami was restored because she knew she had to have that ministry of restoration as well. And her husband now comes to our church. He said, I want to have what my wife had. I want to have that restoration as well. I encourage you today. I, I know you all know each other. <laughs> Right? This is a small community. But if you have not found restoration, if you haven't come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're not walking with God, talk to Pastor Josh. Talk with one of your church elders. Ask more about what that means because it means all the difference in your life. It's interesting in today's passage as Jesus, as these people come to see Jesus and they see what, have ha what has happened, all these pigs have been, in their minds, wasted. You know, huge hit to their economy. They don't want to have anything to do with him. You know, they're like, hey, you cattle rustler, get off my land. Get out of here. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You're not good for me. Leave. And so Jesus honors that. And he goes to get into the boat. And as he's getting into the boat, the man asks him, can I come with you? And I think any one of us here would say, yeah, come on, man. These guys, they don't want us around. Let's go. But come on back with us to the other side of the lake. Come back with us to Galilee and we can show you how to really walk with God. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus tells the man, no, you can't come along. Instead, you need to go home and you need to tell your family, you need to tell the people in your life how God has had mercy on you today. What he has done for you today. And what's really awesome is that this guy does it. Mark chapter 7, we see the results of this. Jesus and his disciples, they're up in Tyre and Sidon, and they come back, and they come back to the Decapolis. And people don't go, hey, get out of here. We don't want to have anything to do with you. 
they start bringing more people to him. He starts to heal them. And in the end, they say, look, he does all things well. They did this because this man knew he had to have the ministry of restoration. He needed to tell others how they could find restoration as well. And that it was through this man, Jesus Christ. And because of that, when he came back, they welcomed him into their area. That ministry of restoration is so important. There's some people in our church in Japan who understand this. This gentleman on the left, Mr. Sakamoto, we're kind of goofing around at a, at a church potluck. And uh, he is, he's a, a bike frame factory owner. So he makes bicycle frames. Um, he's a nuts and bolts kind of guy. He, he is, you know, not really arts inclined, if you want to put it that way. And yet he and his wife came to our church through a gospel concert we had at our church. They got a flyer in their box and something inside them, which is the Holy Spirit, says, oh, you should go and check that out. And so they came to our church and they met Christ and they found restoration and they were baptized in 2012. In 2019, I had to have a pacemaker put in, and I'm in the hospital in Japan for about a month. That's the way they do medicine over there. Here, it's like an outpatient thing. <laughs> there, it's, it's a month in the hospital. And, and as I'm there, Mr. Sakamoto and his wife would come and visit me. And one time he comes to visit, it was Mr. Sakamoto and his wife and Melissa and I, we were sitting in this kind of common area uh, in, the, in the hospital, like a visiting area. And uh, all of a sudden, Mr. Sakamoto says, we need to sing some choruses, which is hilarious because Mr. Sakamoto can't sing. I mean, he is so not musical, it's ridiculous. He's the kind of guy, you, like, if he starts singing, you walk away from, right? And no, uh-uh, like, no, I'm not being a part of that. But he just starts belting out worship choruses right there in the hospital. And Mrs. Sakamoto and Melissa and I kind of look at each other, and, and he's like, come on, guys, you need to sing too, come on. And so next thing you know, the four of us are singing choruses there in this waiting area of the hospital and about the third one it's come starts to come to an end he goes okay i'm gonna pray and he just starts praying at the top of his lungs like i don't know if i don't know if there's even a hospital near here but like if wherever is baker got a hospital yeah like if you were in the hospital in baker would you start singing choruses right in the middle of the waiting room i don't think so right would you start like in a really loud voice start praying Probably not, right? But here, Mr. Sakamoto, in Japan, I mean, the last place in the world you would ever expect it, he just starts praying. He starts praying for me and for Melissa and for the other patients that he sees around us and for the nurses and for the doctors and for the cleaning staff and for everybody in the hospital. He's just praying and praying at the top of his lungs. It's amazing. He wanted them all to know who Jesus was. He took serious the ministry of restoration. The lady on the right in this picture is Mrs. Q-Sai. We call her Q, not to be confused with uh, James Bond Q, or those of you who are Star Trek fans, that Q, different. This is our Q. Q's life was a shambles. 
absolute shambles. Her relationship with her husband was just in tatters. She has two daughters and they didn't get along at all. She was going from job to job to job. She's, she's one of the rare Japanese people who speaks her mind. <laughs> Most Japanese people in Japan, you have what we call hone, which is the real you, and you have tatemai, which is the person that you put in front of you. <laughs> Not like you're wearing a hat or a mask. You develop a whole nother persona that you put out in front of you for different situations. So you'll have a tatemai for your work, you'll have a tatemai for your family, you'll have a tatemai for your friends, have a tatemai for your neighbors, and you have to balance all of these different personas that you've got out there. But Q, she would shoot from the hip, right? She, she was, you know, always letting her hone out, and she was not preserving the, the harmony, the wah, as they say, with others. She just let them have it, right? And not always in a mean way, but just, you know, just going to let you know what I think. And so she just went from job to job to job. Now, now, unlike Mr. Sakamoto, Q is a very gifted singer. She loves music, and so she got involved in a gospel choir. And it ended up that Shan was also a part of that choir, one of the missionaries on our team. And Q started asking Shan, like, when I sing gospel music, something feels different inside of me. And we know, again, that's the work of the Holy Spirit on her. And so Shan said, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. You, sh you should come to church, and you can learn more about what that means. And so Q started coming to church, and we started studying the Bible together, and Q came to know Jesus Christ as her Savior. And it's amazing the difference in her life as she was restored to favor with God and she took on the ministry of restoration. Her relationship with her husband got better. That's him there playing the guitar. She is at an outdoor jazz festival, uh, but she's singing gospel music and giving her testimony to people at this place. And her husband is sitting there with her. He's not a Christian yet, but it's her top priority. <laughs> Everything she does, she's like, can you invite my husband? Can my husband be a part of that? Like, she wants him to come to Christ so bad. Her relationship with her kids is better. And their grandkids now. Her relationship with her co-workers is better. She, she's held down a job for many years now. And she'll come to church and she'll say, Pastor, I was talking with this guy at work about this idea that I found in, in the book of Matthew. Um, do you think this, I'm explaining it right, and we'll sit and we'll go through the passages that she's talking about, and then she'll go and she'll share that with this gentleman at work. Because she understands the ministry of restoration. You see, God wants us to be formed into His image. He wants us to be restored and to be made new, to become like His Son, Jesus Christ, and live the way that we are called to live. But He also sends us out as His sent ones, right? Jesus told His disciples in John chapter 20, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Not like I could send you or maybe someday I'll send you. He's saying, I am sending you. And this just isn't for his 11 or 12 or 500 disciples. It's for all who come to faith in him. We are sent out 
Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's, again, not just a command for those disciples. That's for all of us who come to restoration with Jesus Christ. We are His sent ones. We are called to go out for Him. And sometimes it's Jerusalem, right here in Plevna, right? Sometimes it's right in your own backyard. God might plant you there for your whole life, and there's nothing wrong with that. But God might send you somewhere else. He might send you to another part of the United States or Canada. He might send you to another place around the world so that you can carry out His ministry of restoration, so that you can bring good news, right? Romans 10 tells us, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God calls all of us to do that. He calls all of us to be restored and to have the ministry of restoration, to be formed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, but also to be His message bearers to others. And it doesn't have to be all the way in Japan. It could be. It could be right across the fence with the person next to you. But God has called all of us to the ministry of restoration. So let's do that. Let's first be restored. Let's find newness of life. Let's be formed into the image of Jesus Christ, God's Son. And then let's go. Let's carry out that ministry of restoration so that others can be restored as well. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you. Hmm. Lord, for the way that you love us, even though we turned our back on you. Lord, I, I am so thankful that even though uh, I went my own way, you drew me back to you. You allowed me to come back into your family and to find restoration and favor with you. Lord, I thank you that you have given me that privilege, but that you've also given so many others that privilege as well. And if there's someone here today who hasn't made that step yet, Father God, uh, to, to submit to you and to find restoration, Lord, I ask that you would move in their hearts. Help them to know the meaning and the importance of that. And I ask that you'd be with all of us, Father God, as we live out our life to be formed into your image, uh, that we would also, Lord, be your message, message barriers, your sent ones, as you have commanded us. Help us, Lord, to find opportunities to share you in word and deed, to shine our light so that others can see who you are and come to restoration as well and come to praise you. Lord, I ask that you would just continue to bless First Baptist Church here in Plevna. That you'd bless Pastor Josh and the elders. That you'd bless those who lead here in the church, those who have active roles in the church, those who attend here, Father God. Help them to be a bright, shining light for you as well. Bless them, Father God. Protect them, Father God. And help us all to carry on your ministry of restoration. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.